please uh, open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 4. Sorry, Exodus chapter 5. And let's pray. Father, in this time, this next few minutes, we pray that your spirit would speak through the words that you've inspired to be written for us and make them uh, fresh and pertinent and uh, make them life-changing for us in the way you want to. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm wondering, have you ever done something that turned out to be a lot harder than you expected. Maybe it was a, a job or starting a new diet or a house project or even a marriage. And you start out just soaring high with high hopes and dreams and visions and then you smack into the brick wall of reality. Has that ever happened to you? Sometimes following Jesus is like that. Following Jesus is a lot harder than we expect. We know that we live in a world that is fallen and sinful and has evil powers at work. We, we sung in that hymn this morning. Um, and yet sometimes we naively suppose that if we're following God, we're untouchable. Or that God will uh, make our path an easy one. We're surprised when we run into stuff that is really hard especially when it's because we are doing something God told us to do. Um, I've met people, I've seen people who grow despondent or even lose their faith when hardship comes or tragedy strikes or life gets really confusing and they're like, God, what's happening? I didn't sign up for this. Maybe some of you have been there and maybe some of you are there right now. And I want to tell you that you are in good company because that's what Moses went through. Here in Exodus 5, Moses begins to do what God sent him to do. He confronts Pharaoh um, and, and asks for God's people to be freed. But for that obedience, for that trouble, he gets a backlash. He runs into severe opposition uh, things get a lot worse before they begin to get better. And even his own people turn against him. And so by the end of this chapter, Moses is like, God, what is happening? Uh, why have you brought this trouble on us? He says, I just did what you asked me to do. But Moses' struggle can be for our benefit today. Because if we have correct expectations for the Christian life, we will be saved a lot of heartache and might even mean the difference between keeping our faith and losing it. So let's look at this chapter in Exodus and see what we can learn. Starting uh, the beginning of the chapter, Moses and Aaron are on a high from their meeting with the elders of Israel. In the end of chapter 4, they had met with the elders and told them, told them all that God had said to Moses, and the elders believed and were happy that, that God had sent Moses. So they're on this high, and, and they march into Pharaoh's court, probably feeling unstoppable. 
You know, this is when it's going to happen. And they let him have it. Verse 1. Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Let my people go, that they may hold a festival to me in the wilderness. It's interesting because this is not precisely what God had told them to say. Think back to um, chapter 3, verse 18. Here were God's precise instructions. He says, Then you, are, you and the elders are to go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness and offer sacrifices for our God. For some reason, they didn't go with the elders. And instead of presenting this request, they slammed down an ultimatum. The Lord says, Let my people go. I think they're a bit overconfident, overzealous. I'm not sure what they expected Pharaoh to say, but they immediately get their first taste of what they're up against. Look at verse 2. Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. <clears throat> Can't you hear the, the scorn in his voice? So Moses and Aaron backpedal, and then they say what God told them to in the first place. Verse 3, Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Now let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God, or he may strike us with plagues or with sword. I'm not sure why they added that, but that does foreshadow the plagues that are coming on Egypt. Um, so Moses and Aaron went in expecting Pharaoh to just bend before God's will. Um, but instead, he becomes a brick wall. Resistance. Perhaps they thought Pharaoh was no match for God's word. Um, Moses also seems to have forgotten uh, what God told him back in chapter 3, when God said, I know the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. Nevertheless, whatever they, Moses and Aaron, leave with their tail between their legs from the court of Pharaoh. And we can start to see a truth come into focus here for them and for us. When you follow God, expect resistance. Expect resistance. Let me give you an example of this. When my parents were first married, um, shortly after they were married, my mom had a conversion experience. So she had been, her sister had been witnessing to her, give her a Bible, asking her questions. Mom was thinking. One day, she was home alone and saw a Billy Graham crusade on TV. And that, for her, was when the penny dropped. And she knelt there in the living room and gave her heart to Jesus. And she began reading the Bible. She began reading books that her sister sent her. And then, shortly after that, she thought, okay, it's time to tell Dutton, my dad, her husband, what's happened to me? And she thought, surely he will understand. Surely he will see the light. And he will say, what must I do to be saved? Right? So she worked up the courage and went and told him and just gushed out everything about her conversion, about the cross, about the Holy Spirit, about, about the rapture, about all these things, and said, so what do you think? And she told me his exact words were, really? 
really. He was thinking, what has happened to my wife? She got her first taste of the resistance that comes from following Jesus. Now, I'm not comparing my dad to Pharaoh. Um, So, Dad, if you listen to the podcast, do not think that. But I am saying that resistance will come when you follow Jesus. The world is not friendly with Jesus. The world is not on good terms with him. So if you follow him, it won't always be on good terms with you. Expect resistance. Secondly, expect things to get worse before they get better sometimes. The next section, the the biggest part of the story shows us this. So sadly, Moses and Aaron's confrontation of Pharaoh creates this backlash for the Israelites. Look at verses 6 through 14. That same day, Pharaoh gave this order to the slave drivers and overseers in charge of the people. You are no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw, but require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They are lazy. That's why they're crying out, let us go and sacrifice to our God. Make the work harder for the people so that they keep working and pay no attention to lies. Then the slave drivers and the overseers went out and said to the people, This is what Pharaoh says. That's intentional. It's supposed to be mocking. This is what the Lord says. This is what Pharaoh says. I will not give you any more straw. Go and get your own straw wherever you can find it. But your work will not be reduced at all. So the people scattered all over Egypt to gather stubble to use for straw. The slave drivers kept pressing them, saying, Complete the work required for you each day, just as when you had straw. And Pharaoh's slave drivers beat the Israelite overseers they had appointed, demanding, Why haven't you met your quota of bricks yesterday or today as before? So far, Moses and Aaron's Obedience or actions have totally backfired. Now, straw was used in the brick-making process to reinforce the bricks and make them more durable. And until now, the slaves had been given that straw, but now they have to go find it themselves and make just as many bricks each day. We see a picture here of just how big an enemy Israel is up against. God's people are at the bottom of this massive power structure with overseers and slave drivers and then other officials and then Pharaoh at the top of it all. He's the original evil villain. He's the anti-God figure in, in the Old Testament. And he shouts, make the work harder. Make the work harder. Understandably, the slaves can't keep up with this pace. Um, And surprisingly, the Israelite overseers are the ones that get beaten up, not the slaves. Um, So they appear to Pharaoh and complain about the situation. Look at verses 16 through 18. Uh, 15 through 18, the Israelites' overseers went and appealed to Pharaoh Why have you treated your servants this way? Your servants are given no straw, yet we are told, make bricks. Your servants are being beaten, but the fault is with your own people. Pharaoh said, 
Lazy, that's what you are. Lazy. That's why you keep saying, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Now get to work. You will not be given any straw, yet you must produce your full quota of bricks. Pharaoh is like all the other evil leaders of history who double down on the policy and blame their victims. Right? For their own suffering. And Pharaoh has calculated his his approach to drive a wedge between Moses and the, and the people of Israel. And it works. Verses 19 through 21. The Israelite overseers realized they were in trouble when they were told, you are not to reduce the number of bricks required of you each day. When they left Pharaoh, they found Moses and Aaron waiting to meet them, and they said, may the Lord look on you and judge you. Ouch. You have made us obnoxious to Pharaoh and his officials and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Man, poor Moses. (laughs) He just did what God told him to do. And can you imagine what what he was thinking now? Depressed, disappointed, confused, angry at God. Um, He was just trying to follow God, but... But Pharaoh rebuffed him. His people's suffering got worse. And now his own people are turning against him and blaming him for what's happened. Things get a lot worse for him and for the people before they start to get better. So Moses does the best thing that he could possibly do in this situation. What is it? Verse 22 on. He vents all of his frustration and anger and disappointment to God. Moses returned to the Lord and said, Why, Lord, have you brought this trouble on the people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble on this people, and you have not rescued your people at all. Those are some strong words. Have you ever prayed like that? Like, God, I don't know what you're doing, but it stinks. You, like, Moses is flat out accusing God of bringing trouble on the people. And if, you know, if you're in a place and you feel angry with God, get it out in prayer. Don't try to hold it in and and be pious. God can take it. Maybe you are feeling disappointed with God or or disillusioned about something. Maybe you feel like God has let you down. Um, Just get it out. Express, Express that to God in prayer. Look, God does not find fault with Moses for what he says. And we will end in a moment with God's answer to Moses. But what can we make of this story so far? Um, we've seen Moses go from overconfidence to abject humiliation to anger and despondency. And it has to do with the fact that his expectations were not correct. He expected it to be easier. He expected things to happen sooner. He expected Pharaoh's will to break sooner, and it doesn't. 
Moses underestimated the power of evil that he was up against. And we do the same thing. You know, a pharaoh is this, pharaoh is this archetype of evil with his systematic oppression of the Israelites, dehumanizing them, using them for slave labor. And we can see that same evil at work in the world today. You can see it in Russia's aggression to Ukraine. You can see it in school shootings. Like, what would inspire someone to do that? You can see it in, um, uh, in human trafficking that is rampant through this world. But, hear this, it's not just out there. The power of evil is at work right here in safe, happy Georgia, Vermont. It's the force that drives people to fatal addictions. It's the wedge that comes between husband and wife and breaks up families. It's the power that causes people to be depressed so, so far that they commit suicide. It's the bitterness that takes root in hearts. It's the, the subtle temptation to love money or comfort or power or success. That is the same force of evil that Pharaoh tapped into here. Don't be deceived. So, if you are following God, you set yourself in opposition to that force. Expect resistance. Expect things to get worse before they get better sometimes. Again and again, the New Testament writers warn us not to be caught off guard by this fact. Listen, Peter writes to believers in 1 Peter 5.8, Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Paul writes to Timothy, Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Jesus himself said, in this world, you will have trouble. Bad things happen to everyone, but there's a particular way that if you are a Christian, your enemy, Satan, wants to use all those bad things to crush your faith to make you turn away from God, to make you lose heart. So I don't know how to make this easy, but just expect that. Expect that you will have times of deep discouragement, of wondering, what am I doing wrong? When maybe you're not doing anything wrong. It's the opposition you face as a Christian. I wonder right now of the people in this room and people watching where you are running into that resistance. It could be in your parenting, you're just trying to be a good mom and dad, but things are so darn discouraging, so hard, and Satan wants to just make you burn out. Maybe it's in your struggle against some sin, and you repent and you try to change, but it seems like the temptation just keeps growing stronger. It's opposition. Maybe it's simply deteriorating health that makes you grow despondent or depressed or wondering what purpose God has for you in this world. Maybe it's rejection or mockery you faced for being a Christian in your school or at work or in your family. Sometimes it can even come from the church. You come expecting this to be a place of 
of safety, of spiritual growth, and someone turns on you. That is the most gut-wrenching kind of opposition there is. But I do have good news today. It comes in the answer that God gives Moses. So look at the first verse of chapter 6. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. God says, now you will see what I will do. As if the opposition, the the evil that Moses has faced, um, and the way Pharaoh hardens his heart, becomes the setup for God's salvation. It becomes the setup for the salvation. It's the dark backdrop against which God's power is dazzling. That's what's happening here. You see, when Pharaoh was, was asking, who is the Lord that I should obey him? He's about to find out. <laughs> the rest of, well, the next few chapters are God answering that question. Ten plagues, right? As Pharaoh shouts, work harder, work harder, what he doesn't know is that his heart is getting harder and harder, and God's judgment and saving power will be even more magnified. That builds to a climax right up into the Red Sea where God wins this decisive victory over evil. So the victory is coming. What I want to say to you today is expect resistance, expect things to get worse before they get better sometimes, and expect God to win. Expect God to triumph. Evil cannot prevail. If only Moses could have had faith to see that salvation was coming. He must have had some faith or he wouldn't have continued. But maybe he wouldn't have been so discouraged now. And the same is true for us. If you hang on to these facts, resistance will come. It could get worse before it gets better, but God will win. You can make it through discouraging times. You can make it through opposition. Uh, Whatever you face, however hard life gets, don't lose heart, friends. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. The story's not over. And the the worst that evil can do is to magnify God's saving power. Believe it. Trust in it. Even if you, there's like something that you think, there's no way God can use this to, to uh, show his glory. There is. And God will have the final word. Once a month we come to the table to celebrate the Lord's Supper. We come to remember how Jesus secured our salvation. Jesus faced more opposition than anyone has ever faced. And he persevered for us. For us. He went to the cross. He faced the worst defeat that, uh, and, and the worst that the enemy could throw at him. He, was, uh, he, was, he faced rejection, humiliation, torture, abandonment, mockery, death. I mean, who would expect that could lead to anything good? 
That got a lot worse before it got better. But then resurrection came. And the cross turned into not the greatest defeat of victory, but the greatest triumph. Oh, sorry, of history, but the greatest triumph of history. That is the story that we are a part of. That is the pattern that we follow. All his disciples at the time lost heart. They, they walked away. They didn't see it coming. But Jesus rose from the grave. And forever the cross and empty tomb are proof that God can use the worst evil for his glory. I want to read a few words from the book of Hebrews chapter 12. Verses 2 and 3. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. 